Hey guys, in today's interview, I'll be talking with Michael Adams, an inspiring and humble human on a mission to help people with intellectual disabilities and physical impairments. He's on a mission to reach the world platform for powerlifting at the Special Olympics. From years of experience as a personal trainer and coach to hosting powerlifting competitions for these strong, determined powerlifting legends. We talk about his story and on how he got started, why anybody could have done it and can do it, the lessons he has learned so far, and how simple it is for you to follow your own passion towards your own ideal career and lifestyle, and how you can also support his amazing new non-for-profit charity called Strong Hearts. Thanks so much for listening in and enjoy. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for joining in today. Before we get started, who, who are you and what do you actually do? Hi, Chris. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me first up. I really appreciate it, dude. Well, my name's Michael Adams. I am a personal trainer out of uh, Brisbane in Queensland, so a little bit north from you there. And I am solely a strength and rehab coach for kids and adults with special needs. So I work with a whole range of disabilities, anything from... Uh, you know, cerebral palsy and, and muscular dystrophy all the way up to just kind of like mild autism and things like that. So anything from, you know, getting kids out of wheelchairs and, and trying to walk again, things along those lines, all the way up to like Special Olympic gymnastics and powerlifting. So uh, that's kind of, in a nutshell, everything I do. And um, it's, it's pretty fun. With having like, it's super amazing what you're doing because I've followed you on social media for a bit. And it's really refreshing to see like just, how much of an impact you are actually making and with the impact that you're making as well. And with the impact that you're making, I could only imagine though it, you know, it wouldn't always be easy to make that impact. So what are the hardest lessons you've had to learn from the start to now? Do you think? Oh, hardest lessons. It's a good question. I think some of the hardest stuff is um, just accepting that some parents genuinely just do not want change and they don't, they don't like the idea of their routine being broken. And so some of their young ones don't end up having their routine changed to, you know, possibly have the chance for it to be better. You know, uh, that's, that's a really hard one to get my head around. I've had a few clients in the past and, you know, uh, there's even one or two presently that unfortunately they, they've had great progress in the time that we've spent with them. They have really enjoyed themselves uh, in whatever program I've had for them, be it one-on-one or in a group setting. But unfortunately, they just don't have the support from their own parents to continue it. And, you know, we have, you know, tangible evidence to show that we have given great progress and they enjoy themselves and they're always happy and all that sort of thing. And mum um, and dad just don't want it they just really hate change um and so uh they kind of refuse to let them uh continue so that's a, that's a really hard pill to swallow i think uh, you know that kind of translates along to uh, a lot of young kids now that have uh you know heavily overprotective parents you know even uh, just you know a mainstream student going through you know whatever they're going through almost they get uh covered by mum and dad's bubble wrap so much that they don't actually end up growing very well. And then when they're in their teens and things like that, things affect them a lot more because mom and dad haven't let them skin their knees when they were young. You know what I mean? So 
it's um that's a it's a really hard pill to swallow, especially when you just you genuinely you just want to help, and um and you know parents don't really seem to want to join in on that. It, it's pretty rough. It, that's a it's a pretty rough one to go through. Yeah, absolutely, and I could only imagine the stress it would cause you at times just wanting to see someone improve so much, but having that limit, like a barrier in place that won't allow that person to actually go over the brick wall because they're afraid that they're going to fall. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean like, you know, and like, Oh, you know, I won't name names unless it's a positive thing. Um, but you know, we've had, um, we've had students in the past, that have had some excellent progress, you know, they've done, you know, really, really well. And we can show physically and, you know, on paper, the evidence of, Hey, here is exactly where the progress is. And uh, the one particular parent uh, basically completely shut us down and said, no, uh, we would rather you go shopping with your carer. So uh, instead of them uh, out, out of the wheelchair and walking around with us and, and doing all that sort of thing, Mum and dad have pretty much flatly said, uh, no, we don't want you doing that. We think that's a waste of time. Even though, like, in their entire week, they don't get out of their wheelchair unless they're with us because the carers, uh, and rightfully so, the carers don't feel like they have the experience to help them try and walk and do all that sort of thing and train their balance and things like that. So that's cool. They're just, you know, they're indemnifying themselves of any risk, which is perfectly fine. But inside their week, the only time they're getting out and they're practicing walking by themselves is when they're with us. And mum and dad have turned around and said, no, we don't want you doing that. We think that that's an absolute waste of time. And so we, uh, you know, um, we don't want you going to that program. We'd rather you go shopping, shopping with a carer because, you know, that's, that's all they, they just don't like change, you know, and it's really, really rough. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's, that's a hard one to swallow. It's quite interesting. I, um, I used to live in London and I actually worked with, ages from 16 to 30 uh, with high sensory issue kids. Um, you know, you've got a 25-year-old with the um, intellectual disability of an 18-month-year-old and yep. all these different yep. uh, impairments. And it's, yeah, it kind of came down to the same thing that their carer at the end of the day wasn't willing to, fair, fair enough, like do take that step. And the parenting was the same as well. Uh, a fear for actually changing everything and changing the habits and even if it is a better habit they might have gone into it, it was a really interesting experience to see um yeah the limitations that can be put on um these wonderful kids yeah for sure and i mean like and, and like oh you know the carers they really do uh, almost all of them do everything they possibly can to you know help out their students and things like that but if it's out of their scope of practice if they don't feel comfortable absolutely they reel it in you know what i mean they don't want to uh cause any discomfort or pain or any issues or anything like that would makes a hundred percent sense to me but yeah, when they when they don't have any sort of clearance from the parents to even uh expand beyond like nope you will go to the movies and then after the movies you will go bowling and then after that you will come home because lunch is that exactly blah time yeah routine is one thing but i think shaking up routines can really help young kids with autism and with intellectual impairments because getting exposed to more is how we, you know, it's how we learn, you know, like when you skinned your knee on a bike when you were young, because you were pedaling too slow, you realize you have to pedal a little faster and now you're good at riding a bike. You know, you have to go through a little bit of pain, a little bit of issue to, to grow. 
that's a rough thing to accept as a parent. And, and you know, sometimes I can, you know, I can digress on that. You can sometimes genuinely just have a parent that loves their kid too much. They just genuinely love their child so, so much that they're fearful of anything hurting them. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me as well. You know, you imagine your young one that, you know, you've only got one kid and you love them to absolute bits. The last thing you're thinking of is putting them at risk. And if inside your head that risk is inflated because of a bad experience you've had or because you've heard of a bad story of someone else, da, 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 like you're trying to alleviate as much risk as you can because you just, you love your child so much. You, the last thing you want is for anything to happen to them. So I can see that, but it takes, you know, especially in my role now that I, all I do is this, is my job just as much of a coach, my job is a safety net making sure parents feel like they trust me enough to let me do, you know, things that might be out of the ordinary for them and for their young one. You know, uh, there's a lot of convincing, or maybe not convincing, but there's a lot of explanation of, of what I do and why I do it uh, in the starting phases because sometimes parents just go, wow, really? We're going to try and, you know, deadlift or whatever the case. You know, they're, and they're scared because they hear, oh, deadlift? No, that sounds, that sounds painful. I heard that's bad for your back. And, you know, when in reality you deadlift every single, every single day, you know, you pick up those cans of, uh, you know, baked beans off the floor and you, you put them up in the top shelf, you know, you pick up the shopping bags, you know, it's just a general movement. And by making your body stronger, you can go through those movements easier. And that's what I have to explain to a lot of parents when I say, trust me, doing weight training is going to be great for your child. It's going to be great. And they really need that little bit of convincing and seeing that their child is happy and things like that. Uh, is uh, is probably my number one trump card. It's that you know number one thing I can really give to them of hey look they're really enjoying this. Just give it time and you know trust me. And I think I'm lucky now because I've done it for a long time. I've got you know a relatively uh, you know I've I've got a small social media following now. And but and because I've got so much content behind me of a couple of years worth of doing it. Now it's more of a sheep mentality of oh, a lot of other parents have taken this risk as well and it's turned out okay. No one seems to have been hurt. Maybe we'll be okay too. Whereas if you were approaching a coach that had never done it before, you'd probably be like, eh, I don't know, man. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. with, with I, I think that's probably the biggest, biggest thing for me is, is, you know, parents. It's like anything these days for sure. Like the, it's just about kind of going through that process and then, you know, seeing thankfully that you do have like all this real, evidence to show that you are making improvements as well with going on from that you've had a lot of experiences with these kids um they've probably taught you a lot as well along the way what lessons do you oh, think you've learned from them oh dude man so much i know the majority of the words to all the songs in frozen uh, i've probably learned that pretty pretty quickly man i'm, I'm lucky i'm a i'm a big kid I'm genuinely just a big kid because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really in touch with my childlike self and, and I'm, I'm happy to be the big kid. So I've learned a lot about cartoons and things, but like on a more serious note, probably there's like, there's no emotional mask. If you have a child with an intellectual impairment, autism, Down syndrome, anything along those lines, generally speaking, what you see is what you get. The, uh, the behavior that they're showing is the exact emotion that they're currently feeling. There's no, oh, uh, I, you know, up. Oh, it's 
it's Monday, got to put my happy face on for work. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that there's no concept of that generally. It's if they're upset, they're upset. But if they're happy, you know, you know about it as well. And I think that's taught me a lot about just being yourself. Like there is nothing wrong with just being yourself. If anything, at the start, people might, you know, not respect it as much because, you know, uh, maybe they don't understand that you're just wearing your heart on your sleeve. But after a, a period of time, people really appreciate the truth of, you know, how you're feeling and the, the truth of what's going on. So like having no emotional mask, not just popping on a happy face just because you're at work or whatever, that, that can be really unhealthy for you in the long term because you feel like, um, I don't know if you've seen it, there's like an internet meme where, you know, um, uh, it's like a skeleton gets out of bed in the morning and then he pulls on, pulls on a big, like a overcoat that's basically just skin and it's, it's his outside and, and the skeleton's really upset. But as soon as he pulls on the, uh, the skin, it looks like he's happy because the skin's happy. You know what I mean? So pull, pulling on that, you know, facade that, you know, everything is okay when maybe everything's not. So I think I'm very honest and, and upfront with everyone I, I talk to now and, you know, if I'm upset at work, like people generally know it. It's actually kind of funny now because I, I'm so chirpy at work that, um, you know, when people first meet me, they generally think that I'm, I'm honestly so fake. It's actually, it, it's something that happens very, very frequently now, unless you kind of maybe follow me on social media before you meet me. People, a lot of people that start work at Good Life Germs Idolcast and I know they meet me at Strong Hearts or whatever, they think that I kind of really put on this facade of you know the big big child when it's actually just me you know i don't have an emotional mask like if i'm upset i'm upset if i'm happy i'm i'm always happy and uh when i used to work at castledine there was a receptionist um steph and uh i worked as a fitness director so i managed a team of pts for those who don't know what a, a fitness director was so i had like 17 in my team and there used to be an early thursday morning and steph was always there 5 30 and i got there at six o'clock for my shift and, you know, we'd always have a quick chat and stuff. And after about six months, you know, because I was a pretty chirpy dude already and I'd barely started with the kids then. And she goes, you know, like six months ago when you started here, I really thought you were just like, I, I was wondering what drug you were taking. Like, I thought you were on something when you had your early <laughs> shifts and you were just, you know, like you were getting on it before you got to work to get yourself through. And now when I see her, like, I'm just like, oh, no, that's just Mikey. And I like explain that to other people, you know, like my outward facade sometimes is literally that I'm somehow on drugs or something like that. And, you know, like the, the hardest thing I've ever taken is pre-workout. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, a double shot of coffee. Oh, um, but I because of that outward facade if i walk into work and i don't have like a big grin on my face which doesn't happen very often but if i do i generally have majority of the workers all kind of go hey uh dude you okay like you know like even though i'm not like walking through crying it's just i i just don't have a big smile on my face it was like hey dude you okay like you you don't look all right you know so that, that it's cool that's such a powerful know, thing too yeah, like people always expect me to be happy because I generally am. Like I've got a lot of good stuff going for me. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm a really, really lucky dude. And so, um, you know, like if I, if I don't have a big smile on my face, people are like, man, what's wrong with Michael? Like, you know, what's, what's wrong with him? Uh, so that's cool because, you know, no emotional mask. No, um, I don't just put on a face just for the sake of it. I don't, um, I, I'm not a fake dude. You know, like I'm happy to have an honest conversation with you and I'm happy to be honest about what's going on with me. And that's so, um, so wonderful yeah. too, that you've t 
touched on that. And that is such a good lesson that everyone needs to learn to be true to your emotions. Because I just think like just general people, like get it complicated people. If you're sad, be sad. And if you're happy, be happy, but don't try and mix the emotions to match your surroundings, be who you really are. And that's so nice to hear because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Mm, Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, um, I I think a lot of people, they put on that emotional mask because they don't feel like um, they can gain the valuable connection they need to at work or at wherever it is to, um, you know, to, to be able to download about it. You know, like if they're upset about something at home, you know, they're, um, you know, if they're still living at home, their parents might be having an argument or they had an argument with their partner or something like that. Maybe they don't have that, um, you know, level of, uh, you know, support network and things like that so they can have a good chat with someone. And so they put on that face until they reach the person that they feel like they could get to. You know, sometimes I think if you're having a bad day, like if, you, if when you first started a new job or whatever the case, you can just you know, wear your heart on your sleeve and look, if you're having a bad day, you can be honest with people. They'll, they'll respect that in the long term. In the short term, they might not. And that's cool. If they don't in the long term, they're probably assholes. Yeah. But in, in the, you know, in the long term, the people that really do care and the people that you'd want to have in your, uh, you know, in your friendship group and inside your network would probably have those good conversations with you. And they would be the people that you'd want to have around you regardless. And so like, you know, that'll, that'll trump it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so powerful because I recently actually last weekend went down to uh, a men's mental health seminar. It was called Manifest. And it's so interesting that you say about you being like having that connection to like your inner boy, because that's exactly what they talked about. Being true to like your, you know, there's two of you, there's the man and the boy. And this goes for, you know, the girl and the woman. And it talks about like you can't just have this expectation that you're going to be an adult all the time. You have to feed, have fun, like have that connection, yeah. have that group. And that's super nice to hear because that I think a lot of people can take away from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, you can even be the kid 24 sip really. I mean, like I, I know I'm in a very unique position because like my job is to like, uh, like the joke is like my job is to like count push-ups and sing the wiggles. Right. So like I can be the, the big kid um you know all the time but i think you can have a healthy mix of you know the boy and the man or whatever the case or you know you don't have to trade in between the two you can just have a part of your personality that is more childlike you know like you you know if you like going home and watching like old school dragon ball z or like the first series of pokemon man more power to you like you can you know, uh, you can be the big, you know, burly truck driver or, you know, or, or the big tradie or whatever the case. And you can do all your big manly stuff or whatever during the week. Um, and when you get home, you can still watch Dragon Ball Z and still talk about your day. Like, it, I don't feel like there needs to be a discrepancy between when you're with all those lads putting on that facade and then getting home and doing something different. Odds are those dudes would probably be in roughly the same boat as you were like, man, I love Dragon Ball Z too. You know, like you don't have to be, you know, the big adult 24 seven and only sometimes have to get to be in touch with like the kid. Like if you're really truly yourself, you'll probably find you have heaps of childlike tendencies and, you know, parts to your personality. 
And if you just let that go all the time, like people will just accept you for being you. Like if you're having to put on a false face to really fit in the, the circles that you're hanging around in, maybe they're not your circles. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'll take Dragon Ball Z any day, personally. We're all PTs. That's what, that's uh, what got us into it, right? We want to look, look like Goku, man. Absolutely. Look, there's been many times that a lot of people have said, I think it's, I think it's a personal trainer thing as well. Like they say, ah, uh, Chris Walker's just Chris Walker. He's just, he's just, he's another, he's strange, but that's just who he is. So I, I know where you're coming from. For sure. Yeah. Between like watching cartoons like Dragon Ball Z and like all that sort of stuff. And like, I drive a, uh, a Jeep Wrangler Sport mm. and like, that's apparently like a big PT vehicle. And I, I actually bought it because I just, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted a, uh, a convertible. And this one I could have, like, and I could drive my mates around in too. Because, like, it's not a, it's a five-seater, not a, not a two-seater convertible. Yep. So that was the only reason I got it. But it's just like, a, there's like five PTs at, at Good Life Chermside now that have, like, a Jeep Wrangler. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not the only one. Just spitting <laughs> stereotypes everywhere. No, nah, we're all unique in our own way, that's for sure. You're creating something pretty special at the moment too. I think it's pretty amazing. So what is it? Um, well, uh, in recent times, we have had a few of uh, my students that I look after have gotten really into powerlifting. Uh, so I ran a powerlifting event. Uh, it was about this time last year, September last year. And we were very well received. And after that, I uh, was asked by Special Olympics Australia to head up Special Olympic Powerlifting Australia. So, uh, so as the coordinator kind of of Australia, it's my job to make the sport grow and things like that. So that's been really, really cool. And over the course of time, we've ran a few competitions. And a couple of weeks ago, we had the power uh, the Australian Powerlifting Union Classic Powerlifting Nationals. I know it's a mouthful. Um, but we had the national titles and we got to take a team of our Queensland lifters, special O lifters over to Perth to go and compete. Now in the lead up to this, I have so many athletes that could qualify. Um, you know, I actually have a couple that would probably podium at, at the world stage in powerlifting, which is pretty darn cool. That's They're amazing. Very, very strong young kids. But uh, before I started uh, running my powerlifting stuff, unfortunately, Special O powerlifting didn't exist here. So, like, imagine the Australian Special Olympic team, right? Uh, in May, uh, March this year, they went, all went to Dubai. And in flying to Dubai, once they all landed as, like, a big team, you know, there would have been, like, 100-something of them. They all flew in and they all landed together, all the carers, all the coaches, all the athletes. They all landed and then all the tennis players and coaches went to the tennis arena, right? And all the swim coaches and swim kids all went to the swimming arena. Um, but there was no one from Australia that went and competed at the powerlifting arena. Just no one went because the sport doesn't exist here. It's huge in the States, huge in Europe, even exists in New Zealand, right? Uh, but it just doesn't exist in Australia. So I started the, uh, the competitions myself and got given the, the title. And my job is to grow the sport of special O powerlifting in, in Aussie now. And in the lead up to the powerlifting nationals, the kids that I knew had really good potential didn't really have the money to kind of make it over there and things like that. Now, I started it a little bit late and unfortunately didn't quite hit the goal of, of the special O nationals, but I knew that there was going to need to be some way that I could help fund a bunch of the athletes, you know, a bunch of the kids to get over to Perth and, and to other competitions in the future. So I started my own not-for-profit uh, called the Strong Hearts Foundation. And basically the goal of the Strong Arts Foundation is just to 
be able to provide financial support to uh, kids and adults with special needs in order to basically access any sort of health and wellness program inside Australia. So, uh, you know, those who need it. Uh, that require the funding or, you know, if we see that there is great potential in an athlete to go compete at Worlds or compete at the Nationals, that we can try and help fund that um, and basically try and connect big business to small Special Olympic athletes and try and get sponsorship and support to help them access more programs and, and access more and have more kids access more really that's the goal so that's what we've started just uh recently first of all congratulations that's amazing that's huge you've <laughs> thanks dude you've like and it's it's so like it's just crazy because i've got goosebumps because i even just feel your passion and it's so nice because you've just like created a road for people who you know don't have this opportunity but now they will in the future thanks man i appreciate and, that and it's just yeah it's so nice to hear and so refreshing and yeah, that's really cool because it, I can't wait to see that. Like, I can't wait for this to kind of, you give, you know, hundreds of people the opportunity to, you know, go to these cool events and create that fulfillment, not only in yourself, but in other people too, like breaking down this, you know, people always think like they, they're like, oh no, someone with a physical or intellectual impairment can't do that. But now you're just breaking barriers and you're showing them that this is something that they can do and they can make a bigger impact than, you know, the stigma is. I'm doing my best too. I'm doing my best too. I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest, dude. I'm, uh, I'm terrible at taking compliments. Um, <laughs> That's but, cool. But, um, but thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Like I, it's, I, I don't ever feel like I'm doing anything special man like i'm um you know like uh when i first started i was coordinating oh, i was the uh yeah working as the fitness director at Castledine, and um and you know we were approached by a teacher at the local special school uh, janine hussey a beautiful woman and uh she's you know done so so much for all of those kids already going through the school and uh, she said hey look can you help out our students they're you know getting a little overweight we'd love to help them out you know doing more uh, activity, you know, in grade 12 before they leave school so that they kind of feel like they can go somewhere else after they finish school. And so I started volunteering and I kind of did two hours a week and I loved it. And that was what, uh, you know, I got approached by parents afterwards. Hey, do you do this one-on-one? Da, 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 da. And that's what, you know, I've pretty much grown from. But like, I've always looked at it that like, that was just dice roll. Like I was, I was just the dude that was sitting in that office at the time. Like if someone else was the fitness director, like I guarantee that they would have walked out into that meeting, you know, cause the boss lady pretty much sat down with Janine and had a good chat. Sam had a good chat with Janine and uh, Sammy came into my office and said, Hey, look, can you set up a PT? And I went, Oh, none of the PTs are qualified. And she said, well, you are, aren't you? And I said, Oh yeah, I got my blue card. Okay, cool. I'll help out. I was honestly just the only dude in the building with a blue card. Everything else is honestly, it's history. Like so many other people would have done this. And if they were in my position, you know, if they had have met, uh, Alex and Joe or Talitha or Emily or Ebony or Cass or any of the students I have, if they had have met any of them, they would, they would drop everything and do whatever they could to help them out. I'm not the, I'm not anything special. Like you, it's, it's like, you know, you know, when you got like a little kid, like a three-year-old walks up to you with a plastic phone, right? I don't care how many tattoos you've got. I don't care what motorbike you ride. I don't care how much you bench or you deadlift. Like, I don't care how tough you think you are. I guarantee you when that three-year-old walks up to you and they give you that plastic phone, 
you're going to answer that phone call. Like, I guarantee it. Like, everyone melts. Everyone does. Every, everyone has that childlike uh, tendency inside them of connection, and they really want that. I think anyone could do what I'm doing now. I just, by dice roll, I was just the dude sitting in the office. I really was. Anyone else would have done this. It was just like starting the, the powerlifting stuff was like, honestly, that just seemed like the next like thing. Like, yep, that makes logical sense now. Let's just do that. Like that was just the next step. And then, you know, we had a few competitions and then kids couldn't fund it. So I was like, well, I want to help them fund it. And so we started the nonprofit. Like it, it, when I break it all down, it doesn't seem like I was taking these huge leaps and bounds or anything like that. I was honestly, I was just the dude that was in that office that one day. I guarantee you millions of people would have been in the same position as me and they would be trying to help out as best they could. Cause that's what, like I'm a New Zealander, but that's what Aussies just, like you just help out. Some dude breaks down, like, you know, if you're in uh, the outback and some dude broke down out the front of your house, you're not going to sit there staring out your window being like, oh, what's that poor dude doing? You know, you go out and help, you know, like uh, you saw someone fell over in the mall. You don't walk past them. The Australian thing to do is like, hey, you're right. Like male, female, old, young, whatever. Like you help out, like instantly you help out. We're a really loving nation. Like between the two nations, like we're really loving and really giving. Like we really friggin' are. And we just like, you always just want to help. I was honestly, I was just the dude in that office. And I guarantee you so many people, if they were in that office, they would, they would be the me now. Like I really would like, they would have, they would have done the exact same as myself, dude. I'm not anything special. I'm just the dude that happened to be in the seat at the time. Eh? That's gold. That's good. Because that means people who are listening to this can realize that you don't have to be special to make any kind of difference in the world. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And anyone can do that, man. You don't have to be Superman. And that is, that's the response I needed. That's, but that's perfect. Like as as a person who does little steps, like we clients approaching us, they say, how do you achieve goals? And it's simple. You just do something. You take action. That's it. And like, 100%. it's the simplest formula, formula in the world. If you want to start walking, you start walking. That's it. Yep. <laughs> like you, you want to start. Um, yeah. Like what do you do if you want to like run a marathon, right? You, you just take like the first step. Like eventually you'll make 42 Ks. Like, yeah, you might hurt and it might take a few goes, but like if you're, um, you know, if you, it's, it's like if I was trying to drive from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, right? And uh, I sat down on the couch and went, oh yeah, I'm just waiting for every light to turn green, right? Like, like once all the traffic lights turn green, then I'll get in my car and I'll go. But reality is you're still sitting on the goddamn couch. Like you need to move, like get in the car, drive to the first set of traffic lights and then just wait and then it'll be green eventually and then you'll move more eventually you'll get to the gold coast like eventually you'll get there it'll take you time you'll stop and you'll start and you might break down whatever it doesn't matter get in the car and just drive like that's all you got to do you just keep on moving like you take a step you take a step you take it you'll get there like you know you want to you want to drive to sydney and it's dark and you can only see as far as like your headlights are going, right? Cool. Even if you're driving in the dark, if you know you're roughly going like from Brisbane to Sydney, you're just going south and you know you're heading down the highway like south, 
every once in a while, you'll drive past a road sign that says you've got 400 kilometers to go. And you're like, oh, sweet. I'm still going in the right direction. And you just keep your foot on the accelerator and you just like keep on going. You don't know where you are. You don't know how far away you might be, but you know that you're constantly getting momentum. So you're okay. You just got to like, you just keep going. Don't, don't sit on the couch with your keys in your hand being like, oh, I'm totally going to do this. Because when you haven't moved for like X amount of time and you're still telling everyone you're going to do something, but reality is you're actually still sitting on the couch, like you're doing nothing to help. You just need to start moving. You want to do something, you just start going, start stepping. People help you out. You break down, someone else will help you change a tire if you need it. You know what I mean? Like giving all the you know, metaphors you can. You will get there. You've just honestly just got to like start. You don't have to be anything special. Take a step. Just get in your car. Just, just do, just move. That's Work out what it is you want and just move. Simple as that, you know? And that's the best thing. So how can other people start to move? How can other people get involved in and help you? Help me? Yeah. Oh, man, send me caffeine. Um, no, um, <laughs> if, um, man, if you want to help out, uh, get in touch via our socials, I guess, on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, the underscore flying kiwi. Otherwise, on uh, Facebook, it's Flying Kiwi Fitness. Uh, or if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can send, well, like everything's obviously personally. I don't have an assistance or anything like that. But uh, you can get in touch with, you know, email michael at flyingkiwifitness.com. Or if you just want to like kind of donate to our cause, so the uh, Strong Hearts Foundation, just jump on to gofundme.com.au uh, forward slash uh, Strong Hearts Foundation. Perfect. Pretty simple. You can jump on there and uh, there'll be, uh, there's a link to just, you know, donate if you'd like to do that. Any, every dollar helps, you know, um, hopefully we've got a few fundraisers coming up and things like that. Unfortunately, I actually, I ran the uh, Flying Kiwi Cup, which was like a powerlifting meet. Yep. We had that in a Queen Street Mall a few weeks back and that was huge. And like the volume of people that got in touch, they just wanted to like help out. They just wanted to like spot and load for the day or they wanted to, you know, like help out one of the kids. Or they just wanted to volunteer, like just be involved somehow. Like the volume of people that got in touch with me, I genuinely did not get back to everyone. I sorted out my list and stuff and I was just so ran ragged that I did not get back to everyone else. Like it's so cool, the volume of people that want to help out. So if you're listening to this and you asked to help out and I got back to you and then I didn't get back to you, like with a follow-up, my apologies. Like I'm so, so sorry, but like the inboxes are, are relatively full and, and um, trying to keep up is a bit difficult, but like genuinely thank you so much for, for wanting to help. And if you want to help in the future, please like get in touch. Give me a, give me a call. Like my mobile is 0410257561. Like send me a text message. Like I don't care. My you can find my number with a quick Google. If you want to help, I'd, I'd love to have your help. That's wonderful. Always. And if there's any PAs listening, you have an opportunity now. <laughs> um, yeah, my mum's my getting pretty pissy with me not having an assistant now. So um, I, should probably, I should probably get onto that sometime soon. No, that's perfect though. Like, it's so, so nice to hear just like the, how overwhelming it is that so many people want to help. So that's, that's so good. Oh man. Yeah. It's wicked dude. Like even socials, like I feel, I feel so, so bad on like social media and stuff trying to get back to everyone. Um, I, I like, I, I wouldn't give you like, you know, numbers wise, but like, you know, I have like a volume of people 
uh, you know, send me messages and stuff. And I think I worked out at one stage, it was going to be a few, like if I sat down, if I took like four days off, right. And I just, all I did was just reply to everyone I possibly could on all my social media platforms on, and it took like four days to do it. Right. So I replied to X amount of people. Um, I get anywhere from three to 12 new messages a day from like new people. And so if I, even if I went through for those four days and I replied to everyone, because on social media, it's not like a message reply and it's gone. It's actually like a, it's a chat box, right? It's a chat room. So I've got all of those chat rooms now open with all of those people I've just responded to. And then over those four days, all of those people will reply. And then on top of that, I've got the three to 12 new messages for those four days. So like by the time I get to day five, I'm actually behind by 12 messages. That's you know what I mean? So like I, I can't actually get back to everyone now. Like I, I've taken to trying to reply to people with like a video. So if they send me, say something on Instagram, I will just record myself talking. If they're like, oh, you know, my young son, 15 autism, uh, you know, what can I do to help him out? Blah, blah, blah. He loves soccer. I grab, I hold my phone. I just record myself talking for anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute. And I just download my brain of like things I've done in the past or what advice I have for them. I'm like, I don't think I'm anything special. It's just what I've experienced in the past. And then I just flick that to them. And then I just like close the chat box and I just go to the next one. Cause then I don't have to really concentrate. I just kind of like download my brain a little bit and then cut it off and then cool. All right, next one. And like people, you know, I get to be a bit more personal with people and things like that. Um, but it means I can reply the most efficient way I can, I can think of at this stage. You know what I mean? I don't want to get to the stage where like, I've got someone else replying for me. Cause then I feel like, I feel like an asshole really like Cause people send me a message cause they want to chat to me or they yeah, want advice sure. from me. You know? you know, I try and get back as best I can, but yeah. So like, if I don't respond to you, I am so, so sorry. Like I actually, uh, I got your message last week when I was in, uh, oh, it was the week before, I think when I was in Perth. And um, it just so happened that when it came up, I was like, oh, yeah, Chris Walker, that name. Yeah, cool. Podcast. Yep, sweet. And I took a screenshot because <laughs> I happened to be on my phone when that message popped up. And so I took a screenshot and set it as a reminder to get back to that particular one. Because um, obviously you're inside good life and da 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 da. Uh, and so like, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. But like, if I hadn't have done that, like, I don't. Like, I don't want to be an asshole, but like, I we wouldn't might be not here right now. Gotten, yeah, I might not have gotten back to you. So like, cause I might not have seen it. Um, so like, yeah, dude, like it's, it's crazy that the volume of people that just want to get in touch and they want to, you know, have a chat and, or they, you know, want advice or whatever, man, like it just genuinely just baffles me. It baffles me. Like, I feel like I'm still like, I'm like 13, 14, 15 years old. You know what I mean? But everyone's just giving me all these responsibilities. That's what it feels like. like yeah, I yeah. don't feel like. I don't feel like I'm an adult yet. And everyone's like, Hey, Michael, could do this. And I'm like, ah, um, but dude, yeah, I love to help out any way I can. But if I haven't responded to you on social or like you get in touch and you want to help us out, man, I, I would love for you to help out however you can. I just may take a while to get back to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Perfect. That's fine. They'll, people will be patient on the note of helping people though. Yeah. I do have a question. What, what advice would you have for people listening in who may want to work with these wonderful legends, but are unsure how to start. Man, get yourself a blue card. And if you've got a history in sport or you have a history in training weights or you have a history of you know, powerlifting or whatever the case, all you need to do is just get your blue card or uh, in Queensland, you can have a yellow card as well. I don't know how that works around the country, but get your uh, blue card 
or your yellow card, which is the disability card, and then just volunteer at your local um, uh, Special Olympics club. You know, there's swimming and there's basketball and there's tennis and there's bocce and there's, there's all that stuff. And now there's powerlifting, obviously. And just, just volunteer to help. And you'll get in there and you'll interact with all the athletes. And if they like you, they'll hang around you more. If they don't like you, you'll know about it. Um, and, um, you know, and, and just help. You know, that's the easiest way to do it. You know, if you want to help on the powerlifting side, for sure, give me a holler. I'd, I'd love for you to join in. Um, but, um, yeah, get your, get your card of, like, clearance of working with children and, or working with disability, the yellow card, and just get in touch with someone. Like, don't sit back going, oh, like, I've got my blue card now. Now I just wait for a parent with a child with disabilities calls me. I'm just going to wait for that to happen. You know, like, odds are, unless you've done it before, that's probably not going to happen. So you need to go somewhere that has a hub. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And that's perfect. Again, simple. That's what, we, that's what it's all about. It doesn't have to be complicated to help and volunteer somewhere. It doesn't have to yeah, be complicated. Good. You know, if you are listening in here, just, I think everyone who listens to this should just donate, really. That, that's my, my say, um, because you'd make a big difference. That's all I've got for you today, Michael. Um, thanks so much again for taking the time to jump on and have a bit of a chat. And you've really had some golden nuggets here that a lot of people can learn from, you know, from attaching yourself to your inner boy, being more understanding of how to make progress and how to get started if you want to get started as well. Is there thanks anything... So much, I appreciate that. A pleasure. Is there anything that you think the people listening could get anything else from? I am so lucky that I'm in a job where like I arrive every single day. I never worry about like, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow or oh, I start. I'm really lucky as a PT, actually. I don't start before 8 a.m. ever. So like I'm, I'm really lucky in that respect because like none of the kids want to get up that early. So I just, I get to sleep in every morning now. So I did my hard yards of like the 5 a.m. starts and I did not like that. So I'm really lucky. But if you are in a job right now and you don't mind it, but you know that there's something else you may love, give it a try and, and give it a pursuit. You don't have to quit your nine to five or your whatever job you are working now. Just volunteer in the other space you do have. Like I'm, I'm an avid follower of Gary Vaynerchuk and he says like, you know, uh, work your nine to five, your eight to four, you know, come home, uh, kiss the dog, uh, you know, hug the family and uh, and go to town on on whatever your passion is you know if it's if it's doing podcasts you know if it's uh if it's you know selling stuff online or you know you love building wooden furniture right you just you just do that in whatever time you do have and so odds are if you're really passionate about something and you really do enjoy it someone somewhere will probably want to pay you to do that you know what i mean so it, like grasp grasp your passion and give it a whack you know, if you want to be a PT, you know, you want to be like, uh, you know, uh, you want to be like Chris Walker, you, you know, you want to train people and make a big difference. Then go do your PT cert part time or go get yourself a PT first and then get your PT cert. Dip your toe in by training a couple of family members or volunteering your time. You might find you are awesome at it because you just love it so much that the interactions you have with the people around you are really like inspiring to them and they want to hang around you more as soon as one person starts paying you for it there are theoretically an infinity amount of people around the planet that would want to pay you for the exact same thing if people already pay you for it they probably want to pay there's probably other people that want to do the same you know so just do it 
you know, just, just follow a passion. I did, man, I didn't even think about doing this before like five years ago. And now this is my full-time gig. And I think I, I genuinely believe I have the coolest, I'm like the coolest job in the world. Like I have the best job and I love it every day. I roll into work. I love it. So if there's something else you want to try, just, just give it a go. Just start with an hour a week or half an hour a week or five hours a week, whatever you've got to spare and just try and do something. You know, you can do it, you know, get off the couch and start driving. You know what I mean? Just do it. That's perfect. That's on the money. And I'm sure many people listening in will be able to benefit from that exactly because not a lot of people do think that, you know, that's what you actually have to do to, you know, start working towards that passion. But yeah, that's good, man. once again, thanks so much for your time, Michael. And I'll speak with you shortly. Chris, thanks so much for having me, mate. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did enjoy that episode and you feel inspired or you think there's someone out there that needs to listen to it, share it with your friends and family and subscribe to this podcast because there's going to be someone out there that needs to hear this and who may be going through their own obstacle. And this might help them change their perspective and see the opportunities that are in front of them. Until next time, thanks so much again for listening in.